Well, good evening, everybody. Evening. It's good to see all of you here tonight. If you haven't already done so, please take out your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 4. In a few minutes, we're going to look at verses 9 through 11. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. Well, Tad, Libby, Lauren, thanks for letting us get to know you just a little bit. I hope that you have felt welcomed. I hope that you've felt an outpouring of our overabundance of love. Uh, I hope that it has been a pleasant experience for you. And uh, thank you for letting us get to know you just, just a little bit better. I'd like to share with you one of my Christmas gifts I got this year. It's a little silver pen. It's probably not worth all that much. It's just a little ballpoint pen. It feels kind of light. I bet it's not worth 50 cents. But this pen is worth quite a bit to me. On the front, it says Dad in, in blue letters. Amen. And this is the very first present that my son gave me after buying it with his own money. I reckon I'm probably never going to get rid of this pen. When it finally runs out of ink, I'm not sure where exactly I'm going to store it, but it'll probably be with me forever. It's funny how with gifts... It's who gives it to you that makes it so important, so special. It's the giver behind it that just makes it awesome. But it's not just with gifts where the source matters. How many of you prefer bottled water over tap water? Go ahead and let me see your hand. I'd like to take an informal poll. <laughs> bottled water over tap water. Wow, that's kind of surprising. How many of you prefer tap water over bottled water? And how many of you just don't care? It's all the same. Okay. All right. Well, part of what went through your thought process with water is the source. For those of you who prefer bottled water over tap water, chances are you prefer the source of bottled water over the tap. For those of you who prefer tap water over bottled water, chances are you prefer the tap over the source of the bottled water. And for those of you who just don't care, you consider all of it to be equal and water is water. The source matters. And we live in a day and time where everybody seems to be obsessed with the pursuit of happiness, of, of finding that which makes you happy. We, we've kind of elevated it almost to the level of God, that we serve happiness above all else, and we're going to find happiness regardless of what it takes. I remember the first time I went to Disneyland, Aurora and I, we'd been dating for a couple of years, and I went to go visit her out in Southern California, and she took me to Disneyland. Now, I'd never been to Disneyland growing up, but I had heard that it was a magical place. That it was a magical place where dreams do come true. And so on a drive there, I couldn't help but wonder, what is this place going to be like? This, this place that helped produce some of my favorite childhood movies, like The Lion King. And, well, just The Lion King. What is this place going to be like? What, what, what magic am I going to witness? What, what am I going to see? And we had a pretty fun day. We walked around the park. We enjoyed the rides. We uh, enjoyed the sights, enjoyed the shows, partook of those wonderful Disneyland delicacies. But I couldn't help but feel like it wasn't quite what I hoped it would be. I didn't really see any dreams come true. And the only magic that I witnessed was a disappearing act that featured my money. <laughs> it just wasn't quite what I hoped it would be. Apparently my son thinks I'm funny. <laughs> I've won. 
It wasn't quite the magical experience that I had hoped it would be. Not quite the magical experience that I thought I was going to get. We're obsessed with the pursuit of happiness. But just as the source matters when it comes to a gift, just as the source matters when it comes to water, so the source of our happiness is essential. You know, when we talk about happiness, I think what we really mean is rest. You know, happiness is a cold glass of lemonade sitting on our front porch on a hot summer day. Happiness is laying in a field of wildflowers, enjoying the cool spring breeze. Happiness is sunbathing on the beach, enjoying the sun radiating on you as you hear the waves crest over and over. Happiness is sitting in a deer blind as the sun begins to rise as you watch the world come alive. (laughs) Happiness is sitting on a fishing boat with your line in the water just waiting for that next big one to bite. But you notice how all of those images of happiness are kind of the image of rest. That within this idea of rest is a sense of happiness, a sense of peace. And we spend our lives looking for this elusive thing called happiness, this idea of rest. There's a couple ways we go about trying to find rest. One is by the accumulation of stuff. We spend our lives going around, if I can just get one more thing, if I can just get a promotion at work, if I can just have a little bit more money, if I can accumulate enough relationships, perhaps if I can find the one, then maybe I will finally find rest. Maybe I'll finally find that elusive thing called happiness. But unfortunately, those sources are not always all that reliable. And oftentimes we find ourselves going, it's not quite as magical as what I'd hoped. Another way we try and garner happiness is through Akuna Matata. You know, Akuna Matata is that really catchy song in The Lion King. You know, Akuna Matata. You know, it's, now it's all stuck in your head. You're welcome. You'll go home singing it. But the message behind Akuna Matata, the idea of no worries, is ignore everything. It, put your past behind you. Ignore it. Ignore the troubles of the world. Ignore the troubles that you have in your life. Ignore the troubles your neighbor has. Ignore everything and create a pseudo-happiness, if you will. A pseudo-rest. Akuna Matata. Well, both accumulating stuff, accumulating things, and akuna matata can create a sense of rest, at least for a little while. But because of the unreliable nature of those sources, typically we find ourselves saying it's not what we hoped it would be. It's not quite the magical experience that we were hoping for. Hopefully you've got your Bibles open to Hebrews chapter 4. Beginning in verse 9. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. I wonder what he means by uh, same sort of disobedience. Well, to answer that question, we've got to go back to Exodus chapter 17. 
Exodus chapter 17, verses 2 through 3. If you're using one of the black Bibles underneath the seat in front of you, page 59. Now to kind of set up this passage, the children of Israel have come out of the land of Egypt and are being led and are on their way towards the promised land. They're being led by Moses, but predominantly by God as a pillar of fire at night and as a pillar of cloud during the day. Well, they're in the middle of the wilderness and they get thirsty. So they do what Israel does best. They complain. And they begin to express their disdain that they're without water. And that's where we pick up in this passage. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. And the people grumbled against Moses and said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children, our livestock with thirst? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to lead us into the wilderness to kill us with thirst? Did you pick up on what the Israelites are saying? God, I know that you have led us out of the land of Egypt. I know that at this point we've seen you leading us by a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. We've seen you part the Red Sea. But despite all that, you are not capable of taking, us here in, taking care of us here in this wasteland. We have no water. You are not a good source of water. We can't rely upon you. Instead, it would be better if we went back to Egypt. Egypt was a much better source of water. We, yeah, things weren't, might, might not have been great, but you know, at least we had something to drink. Egypt is a better source than what you are. You're not capable of taking care of us. Hmm. No wonder God got so mad at him so often. And it's this attitude, this attitude that, you know, we just ought to go back to Egypt. Egypt was a better source than what you are. It's this attitude that's going to plague Israel over and over and over again. When they get hungry, they're going to complain and say, God, you're not a good, reliable source of food. It would be better if we went back to Egypt. And then God sends manna and sends quail. And when they get to within sight of the promised land, Abraham is, or excuse me, Moses is going to send in those 12 spies and they're going to come back. And this same problem is going to raise its ugly head once again. As ten of them say, we can't take this land. There are giants in this land. You know, yeah, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, but there's no possible way for us to take this. We, we were as grasshoppers to them. Side note, there really were giants. Goliath is a descendant of the Anakim, so you can imagine how disturbing that would be to walk around seeing these giants. Okay. But it's because of where they have placed their faith, what they considered to be the source of their power. They've forgotten that God is their source of strength. Well, all but two of them. And as Caleb and Joshua come in and say, no, no, we can take this land. If we will just trust in our source, we will just trust in the source of our power, the source of our strength, we can do this. But Israel gives in to that idea that, God, you're just not a reliable source. We're, We're we're going back here. We should be back there. At least we were safe there. That keeps Israel out of the promised land and wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of funny uh, in a sad way as we look back and we remember who Israel was back in Egypt. You remember who they were, right? They were slaves. There, there they were told when they could eat, how they could eat, where they could eat. When they could sleep, how they could sleep, and where they could sleep. 
They, they were treated as animals, as livestock, as objects. Perhaps they were treated worse than cattle. And yet they say, we want to go back to Egypt. You know, it's, it's easy as we read this text year, many years later. It's easy to look at Israel and say, man, what was up with you guys? Wow. Didn't you notice? Didn't you notice God doing all these things? Humanity never really changes. We're kind of like wrapped candies. You know, the fancy wrapper changes, but the candy-coated center pretty much stays the same. How many of us, as we go through life, find ourselves seeking some kind of rest, seeking happiness? And so we begin to look every which way we possibly can. We look to our careers, sacrificing all else to find it. We look to relationships, thinking that if I can just meet enough people, if I can just meet the right person, if I can just meet my soulmate, then I'll finally find rest. We look to stuff, and if I can just accumulate enough, maybe I can finally find what I'm looking for. Ultimately, we look to ourselves, saying, I think I can take care of myself better. But as we do that, we find ourselves becoming slaves. Slaves to the pursuit of happiness. Slaves of our own making. And the more that we continue to pursue those things, the more chains we heap up on ourselves. And before you know it, we find ourselves saying, man, this isn't quite the magical experience that I thought it was going to be. This isn't quite what I hoped it would be. Anytime we choose to look to anything other than God for our rest, we find ourselves thinking, it's not quite what I hoped it would be. Look back with me at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 10. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Let us strive to enter God's rest. You know, the ultimate rest is heaven. <laughs> what a day that will be. What, what a rest that will be. In my mind's eye, I can't help but wonder if it's kind of like after a hard day's work, walking into your living room, cold glass of ice cold water, sitting down in your recliner, taking that first drink, and oh man, you just feel the relief flood you. It's just kind of a, Ah, moment. And I got to wonder if, if when we walk through those pearly heavenly gates, I got to wonder if it's not going to be one of those experiences where we can finally rest. In John 10, 10, Jesus is recorded as having said, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, the present tense of that verb indicates the idea of now and continuing. The idea being that life, eternal life, abundant life, begins now and continues. That it's not just found within heaven. And I kind of think that that passage, or I kind of think that passage has bearing here as well. That the idea of rest, God's rest, God's eternal rest is so grand, so magnificent, so wonderful, that it can't help but spill over into this life. That as we realize that we are being led by God towards that rest, we encounter 
rest or we encounter happiness, if you will. If we use the idea, the, the illustration of Israel leaving Egypt, heading towards the promised land with the wasteland, the, the wilderness being life, we are on our way to the promised land, on our way to an ultimate rest with someone who leads us who's not only capable of bringing us into that land of rest, but is capable of taking care of us along the way, providing a sense of rest. A rest that comes from the recognition that regardless what happens, whether we're thirsty, whether we're hungry, whether we have enemies, that God provides for us, that in that He takes care of us as He leads us towards rest. As he leads us towards happiness. As as he gives us happiness now in in a sense of hope. Hope that the challenges of this life, the difficulties of this life don't last forever. That there really is rest. Hope that, or peace that surpasses understanding. that, That really doesn't make sense. Because we know that the one who leads us is capable of taking care of us. Love because we recognize what he has given so that we might enter that rest and enter that promised land. Joy, quite frankly, that doesn't really make a lot of sense, but joy because we know where we're going. And purpose because we have a direction. Home. Love, joy, peace, hope, and purpose. Aren't those really what happiness is anyways? Isn't that really what we mean when we say we want to be happy, that we want those five things? And yet they come from choosing to no longer look to myself, no longer look look to stuff, no longer trying to fulfill my own or bring about my own rest by doing it all on my own, but instead choosing to let go and follow the one who can lead me to rest and provide for me along the way. Anyone who is familiar with the Flint water crisis knows that the source matters. Source matters with regards to gifts. Certainly it matters with water. It also matters with happiness. Because when we rely on ourselves, when we rely on anything other than God, we find that those sources aren't all that reliable. We find ourselves going, it's not quite as magical as what I hoped it would be. When I think about the idea of us heading towards that rest and God providing for us along the way, I can't help but think of that beautiful song by Fanny Crosby, Blessed Assurance. Actually, I'd like to sing that first verse with you, if you don't mind. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine.
blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. When we choose to follow the one who is capable of leading us into rest and providing for us along the way, I think we get a foretaste of what true rest really is, what true happiness really is, what, what it means for love, joy, peace, hope, and purpose, so, and, and what those are really intended to be. But it only comes through choosing to follow him to where he leads. I'd like to conclude tonight by asking you a question. What is the source of your happiness? What is the source of your rest? Because if it's not God, if it's not God through a relationship with Christ, then at some point you will find yourself saying, this isn't quite what I hoped it would be. This is not quite the magical experience that I was expecting. Perhaps tonight you're here and you haven't quite been following God towards that rest as you would like to, as you should. And you'd like to encounter rest once again and finally recover that happiness. If you're not yet a child of God, let me encourage you, do it tonight. Choose tonight to begin to enter that rest, to no longer try and bring about happiness on your own power, but rely upon His. If there's any way we can assist you tonight, won't you come? As together we stand and sing.